0: Oh.
1: dynasty roster construction strategy and a free agency recap we're covering it all on today's road of Is overtime we're going to look a little bit about some of the news over the last 24 hours from a free agency perspective and a quick wrap-up and we're also going to dive into some listeners submitted dynasty strategy questions to get some of sean's thoughts on how maybe uh, the intricacies of, of some leagues work but also how you can use those to your advantage on your roster sean since we last talked the show, we are recording this on Thursday. It will come out on Friday. Aaron Rodgers still with the Green Bay Packers, but the the interview did with Pat McAfee would make it seem like we're closer to the New York Jets move than ever. I'm going to be interested to see what sort of compensation maybe can be mixed in there for Green Bay. But we're not going to talk about that on today's show. We talked running backs on the, the show that came out on Wednesday. We talked about some of the zero RB candidates that would be involved in that. There's a few running backs who have signed contracts, Sean, over... last 24 hours one of those being Alexander Madison re-signing with the Vikings in a two-year contract and it's gonna be interesting with him to see what happens rumors have been circulating over the last week that maybe the team is trying to move Dalvin Cook which would then obviously bump Madison up that depth chart a little bit I was potentially hoping that he would have moved somewhere else but when he didn't move in that first round Agency early on the first day, I thought that there was a high chance he ends up with the Vikings. Somebody who has moved team, moved team last year as well in the season. Sean, that was James Robinson who started last season very strongly on his return from injury. He signs a two-year contract with the New England Patriots. So we've talked quite a bit about Ramondre Stevenson, for example, over the the last couple of months on the podcast, and he's going to have a, a running back teammate there in James Robinson. Juju Smith-Schuster, though, Sean, probably the most noticeable move off the last 24 hours. He also ends up in New England with his contract. What are your thoughts? And I know there's some instant reactions up on rotavis.com at this current moment in time around a lot of the free agent moves, but Juju Smith-Schuster in particular.
2: Yeah, there's a great article up on the site from Bjorn Yang Barnett kind of breaking down the situation, breaking down the advanced stats, letting you you know what you can expect from Juju in New England. I'm going to give a little bit more of an emotional reaction as someone who was watching Smith-Schuster carefully all season. Obviously, he played for my Kansas City Chiefs last year. We were hoping that he would be a piece to help cover the loss of Tyreek Hill. And there were a couple of flashes at different times, but even in those, one of the things that I wrote during the course of the season, about a month in, is that Juju was actually back to creating yards after the catch, which is something that had been a huge part of his early career profile. And yet, even on those plays, I mean, those were plays where Patrick Mahomes had to extend the play a long time, right? It was one of these plays where Mahomes drops back. The defense is obviously scared. So they have a lot of guys back in coverage. They're trying to rush, but the Chiefs have had a pretty solid offensive line Mahomes is moving within the pocket he's scrambling a little bit and the play just goes on and on and on and finally the coverage breaks down and when juju catches the ball he's more or less free and then he can gallop for another 30 40 yards on top of that that is not the peak juju from when he was 21 22 years old i have to say that it was extremely frustrating to watch him play this season I mean, he just looked completely washed, right? From a fan perspective, from the perspective of someone who's being asked to go out there and make plays, it just wasn't there. We also saw at multiple points in the season that he has a little bit of that knee trouble again that flares up in the AFC Championship game, victory over the Bengals, where Mahomes is more or less playing with nobody because all of the receivers go down. We talked a little bit yesterday about Alan Lazard, about – Jacoby Myers and where they were in their trajectory, what they had done in terms of generating targets at the 24% per route level. Juju down at 20%. That's not really an impact player. If you're going to do that with a Patrick Mahomes, then I, this was a, a great decision for Juju to assign with the Chiefs, rehabilitate a little bit of that value. But if he's that kind of player with Kansas City, if he's that kind of player with Mahomes, I more or less think that he's done. I acquired him in some leagues, obviously, with that optimism going into 2022. I don't know that even though he signs what is a decent contract here and a multi-year contract with the Patriots, I don't think I'm going to be able to get out of him at anywhere close to the price you wouldn't necessarily expect to. But because a team does want him to be a part of what's going on, you should be able to get something back. I'll be looking to do that. I think the big winner of the last 48 hours in New England has got to be Tyquan Thornton if they're going to take a step next year. I mean, he's got to be the guy. They don't have anybody else. And I mean, they're still looking in the trade market. They could add another player, but the Patriots need a lot for them to have this be the first domino. I again, it looks good for Tyquan on the other side of it you mentioned that James Robinson contract. We love Robinson. It was a little bit weird that after the trade last season he wasn't involved at all. We know that it takes some time to recover from these injuries. Marlon Mack actually looked pretty decent down the stretch last season, even though, I mean, he's considered to be more or less a done type of player. That move is disappointing, I think, because Pierre Strong, even Kevin Harris, some interesting guys behind Ramondre Stevenson. It doesn't mean that that those guys have no path now, but you're really hoping that Pierre Strong would be the complement to Ramondre Stevenson. It doesn't look like it's going
1: to happen. Yeah, something I'm interested to track as well. You mentioned Myers there a moment ago. Jacoby Myers obviously going to the Raiders. Juju now replacing him with the Patriots. And a very, very similar contracts. Some of the structural elements a little bit different. But if they were there for the three years, both of those guys kind of similar contracts overall. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who ends up being the, the better value out of those two, I guess, for the teams paying out those contracts. But Robinson as well, you mentioned it. It looked like he... You know, medical mar- marvel comes back, looks great, has some big games, and then maybe it did catch up with him as the season went along. But that af- after moving to the Jets, that was kind of a, just a bizarre situation where he he was not involved at all. A running back, Sean, that hasn't been a favorite of ours over the years, but has been one of the highest scoring fantasy running backs of the last kind of five six years in total. And that is Ezekiel Elliott. He he was released by the Dallas Cowboys and we're not going to get into offensive line play on this show Sean but Orlando Brown formerly the Chiefs signs a big big contract with the Cincinnati Bengals who have had their offensive line struggles over the years and that's obviously a positive for Joe Burrow for the passing game there we may get into that in a little bit more in a future show but a, a bit of a loss there another loss for for Kansas City but I don't think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be too worried about missing out on Juju and Freedon's here not being able to retain his services Sean as we're going to talk a little bit of Dynasty in a moment. Is there any other particular topics or articles on the site that you want to give a highlight to today?
2: Well, I wrote a little bit more than people are probably interested in on Baker (laughs) Mayfield. He obviously (laughs) signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers column. He was our 20th round pick, our fifth QB in our recent Listener League draft. I don't know that he'll necessarily be the starter there in Tampa Bay, but in the 20th round... Is he this year's Geno Smith? Is
1: that what you're saying?
2: Well... Gino has someone with some upside someone with some arm strength (laughs) someone with some accuracy I don't know that we can assign any of those things to Baker Mayfield but he has Chris Godwin he has Mike Evans I look into what the impact on those players will be what it means for them in fantasy Blair obviously has his beat out on Lazard Neil is going to take Miles Sanders who is moving to the Carolina Panthers we're big Chuba Hubbard fans Obviously, that knocks him a little bit. And we like Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders, one of these players who is sort of perpetually underrated or at least underappreciated in terms of what he brings to the table. His athleticism, his burst, his ability to get through the offensive line. And people talk about getting what's blocked. You have the hybrid QB there with Jalen Hurts. Obviously, all of that helps him. And yet you still have to have the plus athleticism and the good vision to get through that line. And there's a difference between Miles Sanders getting what's blocked and Ezekiel Elliott getting what's blocked. They have the exact same play and what's actually blocked for the two guys based on their own abilities is going to be different. And so we like Miles Sanders, but I also don't know that it's that big of a difference between Miles Sanders and Deontay Foreman, another player who has looked good recently and has sort of rehab some of his value. It's interesting that he has not gone anywhere yet. But Hubbard's still, I think, a solid pick in the very last rounds of drafts. Colin, you mentioned Alexander Madison. He's someone who is on the orphan team that we took over. He factored into our first trade with that team. We moved him for the 304 and a future five. And I know a lot of listeners are going to say, well, there were scenarios where that could be a really light package. We did it recently. I guess I'm not... A big believer in the talent for madison now one of the things we do talk about from time to time with zero rb is that if you're going to get the bulk of the carries if you're a three down back which madison has been at times for the minnesota vikings and really under multiple coaching staffs you don't have to be some you know jonathan taylor saquon barkley christian mccaffrey to score the kinds of points that help a team and yet when we are building these zero rb rosters whether it's best ball whether it's redraft whether it's trying to build out the depth on your dynasty squad. We are considering talent as a key element. If they get that opportunity, are they going to break out for a three, four, five game stretch? One of the issues that we have here in free agency with the uncertainty is that you don't know if Madison's merely going to go back to the Vikings on a pretty small contract, which is where he went so far. So now you have the situation where Dalvin Cook could stay. And we've seen rumors in all directions on that. One of the things as I was researching the Raheem Mostert article was the fact that the Dolphins were looking into the trade market for Dalvin Cook and had determined that he wasn't going to be available. Again, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. Dalvin Cook, one of these guys who did look, he was right on the verge of being done last season. And so even if he goes back, could he be Ezekiel Elliott? perhaps but again Alexander Madison is not Tony Pollard so you're not going to have that same dynamic there either in all likelihood but the other element and we talked about Ty Chandler a lot last season he didn't do anything we don't know that he's necessarily in their plans at all but this kind of contract for Madison doesn't in any way preclude another back who is at least vaguely interesting coming there through the draft and so I mean, perhaps we should have waited for a sell-high opportunity on Madison. Perhaps that specific moment would arise at some point over the next couple of months. But I think that if you can get out of that type of player and create some more opportunities, start to build this draft capital, then you're probably going to be happy with that, especially when you have to get down to 16 players. Now, we've got a lot of top And talent, we don't have this crazy amount of depth. Most of the other teams in this format that I've had for two, three years, you know, there are 22, 23 interesting guys. And so you're trying to figure out how to get down six guys so that Madison trade is more or less a no brainer. Like, I'll take that, I'll get down. We don't have that exactly. And yet, even after moving Madison, we're fine from a total keepable roster player perspective. And the other thing here, Colin, and I know this factors in for you as well, is that with this being our first trade, in our introduction to new league mates, I don't think that there's any problem. And there's certainly an opportunity to show that you're easy to deal with, that you're willing to make some trades. Even if people think that we got fleeced in this deal, that's fine. We're going to get a lot of trade offers in the future. And even if those trade offers are mostly declined, every offer that you get gives you information. And that's one of the things that we talk about pretty consistently on the show. When you get a trade offer, you know who they want, On your team you know who they're willing to give up it doesn't mean that those two things are a match at all but those both of those pieces of information are valuable colin what are your thoughts on this madison trade as it kind of now uh, segues us into looking at some pretty cool dynasty situations for listeners
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
1: I was very interested for people who don't know how it works if you're co-managing obviously you get a a notification from this league's on the FFPC website so both of us get that message but uh, I've probably seen it a little bit earlier based on time zones and Sean and I sent over a message and I, I usually I'll send something you know if I'm not interested or what the other team has but I felt like this was pretty probably up our alley in terms of how things were looking in terms of the trade but I'm happy with it I think he's a player that was probably going to be on the roster that May not have been somebody who, as we look to add players, add those rookies, and so on. That may have been a little bit more on the the fringes. The part that I think, Sean, that you mentioned that I find very interesting. I had a few questions come in via Twitter DMs or by emails on this over the last month. But certain people talking about players who were approaching free and say, so Madison didn't feature in that, but Juju Smith Schuster featured quite a bit. When people were asking those questions, somebody like a Jimmy Garoppolo was featuring, and those and a lot of it is my response. A lot of the time is like. Do you feel this player is going to increase in value true free agency or lose value and there's that kind of balance of what is the upside what is the upside of madison here the upside is that he is the starting running back this year you know top 12 running back at the end of the season the likelihood of that happening without him moving team and certainly without dalvin cook leaving the minnesota vikings is, is highly unlikely obviously cook could get injured throughout the season that is another way that he could get there but i don't think he's going to ascend to those heights and You mentioned what we've seen from him in his career so far. We have seen some flashes, but we haven't seen anything really on a a consistent basis. So I was happy to let him go. But it comes down to the likes of Juju. He gets a deal in free agency, early in free agency with the New England Patriots. But does it increase his value that much overall? That's the sort of situation that's very hard to know a couple of weeks ago. And the other part of that situation that can be very hard to know is now when we come to the NFL draft. Some of these situations we've seen players moving around and their values will fluctuate through free agency but what happens then when the team takes a wide receiver in the draft or the team moves another player all of a sudden we're in preseason. you've mentioned that Juju Smith-Schuster may be washed at this particular point based on watching him quite closely last season but if Thornton is showing up and flashing in the, the pre-season and if maybe they add somebody through the draft as well all of a sudden that value tanks so you have to make that decision with the veteran players you talk Sean a lot about the window and keeping it open, the perpetual window to keep winning those championships and you know, making decisions on players like a Juju Smith Schuster or even in Superflex, like potentially a Jimmy Garoppolo, if it is the peak of their value when they get these contracts, or is it something that you ride them out through the rest of the season? So I thought um I thought it was a pretty fair deal, Sean. And part of it too is you mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on our dynasty. Uh, reanimator series and i have had a lot of questions about when's the next edition coming out this is like a little fill the gap part i guess sean's mentioned this trade but we will have more coming out in the next couple of weeks people have been very supportive of the series but i do think sean what you mentioned too there's like what you, your words a couple of weeks ago to one of the listener questions which you have to have the patience don't just jump in don't just make those trades and i think we have been very patient and i think this has been a trade that i think will be fair for both sides as we move forward we could get fleeced we may have fleeced them. I think at this point in time, it's a, a fair trade overall to, to get that over the line. So I'm pretty happy with it. We'll see how it works. We'll we'll, we'll keep an eye on Madison throughout the offseason and into the season. But the question, Sean, that comes in is when I'm talking about values and, and how to balance those values, those expectations, this comes in from Bryson. And I thought it was quite an interesting one. He does share his team and his information. I'm going to kind of summarize it a little bit. But the general consensus of this question is, How much should you give up for certain players, even elite players who are at the real top end of their value at this particular point in time? Or even players who may not be at their uh, top end of their value, you may see additional seeding to go in there. But his question is specifically around Justin Fields and would you give up three first round picks to acquire him? in a superflex dynasty league but this could be anyone just in general of how much money you'd be willing or not how much money could be money but how much you'd be willing to give up in terms of being able to acquire him so he mentions he's able to trade the 103 the 108 and a 2024 force for justin fields do i do it he says it feels very steep but it's not often that a top eight quarterback is available and that's across all leagues it can be very very hard to acquire the top end talent you really need to be acquiring them before that ascension starts are taking them in probably through your your drafts but um this league is one year old they had a late first pick he got boxed out of the top quarterback so he went a different route so he can't start two quarterbacks one of those is a flex position his quarterback at the moment is joe burrow and that's what he has is joe burrow at quarterback so and super flex we've mentioned sean in the the past different ways we've attacked the super flex best ball contest but I do think you probably want to have more than one quarterback in, in Superflex Dynasty format moving forward. So he has mentioned, obviously, a, an issue of desperation at the position, but he has the 103, the 107, the 108. He has a second round pick this year. He has four thirds this year, two fourths. He has three 2024 20, first. He has two 20, seconds. So he has a lot of picks, but that doesn't mean that you should give them all up. What's your thoughts, Sean? I guess i guess for this question but in general your rankings on the site they're tiered but they're also based on what you should be trying to acquire players for or what they're worth when you're moving them on when you're looking at fields i guess the first thing is how much do you have them valued at this moment in time and then the other part is try not to put too much of your assets into taking in a player i guess if there is one sort of player would be a young ascent player like fields it might make sense but what are your thoughts on Generally, giving up uh, big hauls of picks for for elite players.
2: This is a, a fascinating one because, uh, like most trades that are available in competitive leagues, this one is sort of right on the edge. Justin Fields, you look at the rankings that you just referenced, and his trade value to me is three firsts. And you look at this here, and these firsts are spread in a way that's pretty fair. You have the 103, the 108, and a 2024 first. So you have the one that's really high, you have one that is later, and then you have one that is future. One of the things people ask from time to time, well, you know, you have these picks valued or you have these players valued as rookie picks. But a first round pick, depending on the calendar of the NFL season, is going to change slightly. Depending on whether you have the 101 or the 112, that's a huge difference. We're looking at these more as generic sort of mid first round picks. But one of the things, again, too, with the calendar is that there are advantages at different points in time on the calendar, but the rookie picks, as they get to be really close, do become more valuable. That's fairly obvious. And I try to adjust the rankings on the site at least slightly to reflect how the rookie picks are going to be valued at different points in time. But you can also go in and see where some of the current rookies would be valued. So as we get really close to a draft and the players themselves are then moved in. You can can tell. So if you want to look at the 103 and see what he is worth in terms of first-round picks, you can do that. And that's one of the issues here. So I think this 103 is pretty valuable. As I go through with this, I would be trying to figure out anything I could possibly do to make the deal without including that pick. Now, you probably can't, right? And so something you have to consider and you have to contend with is that one of the reasons Justin Fields is available is that the opposing manager is also giving that 103 – A lot of value. When you look at Fields and you think about him having D.J. Moore and what he could potentially add with his arm going forward, it's just so exciting to think about. I moved Fields up a couple spots after the D.J. Moore trade. If you have Justin Fields and Burrow to go with this roster, I mean, this roster of Burrow and Fields, Brees Hall as your foundation back, and then C.D., Garrett Wilson, Higgins, D.J. Moore. Very few teams are going to ever be able to compete with that starting lineup. So then the question is, how much risk do you want to consolidate in those specific players? And is there any other path? So he has all of these other picks. You have the 203 as well. That's fantastic. A pick that is not being requested in this deal is the 107. He mentions that he thinks there's a tier break after 106. That's kind of an interesting point. Because after the combine, you have Anthony Richardson now moving up even to the 102. For a lot of people i think that's probably too high still haven't projected as the 106 but the thing that can be missed is that will levis also had an above average combine and is probably somebody who will be ready to play sooner and brings not the same elements that richardson would bring but a lot of the same so there's a possibility that four quarterbacks will go in the first six picks and then you're going to be pushing down to a pick where the 107 is actually pretty valuable right So the first thing I would try and do is figure out a way that you can get the 107 to be the pick instead of the 103. You might even kind of discuss that with the opposing manager if you feel comfortable doing it, you know, showing how the 107 is probably going to be something that they can do something with. It also kind of depends, too, on what that manager is trying to do with fields. If you're moving fields, it may be that you need one of those four quarterbacks. And so the 103 may have a specific name attached to it. If that's the case, again, it's going to be hard to do. But when you have Multiple 20, 24 seconds. You can kind of try to attack this with volume as well and make the offer of so many different guys, at least in the short term, that it's hard for your opponent to resist. And so, I mean, this is just such a cool situation to be in because I do think that you want to go through and add fields. And yet, if there is a way to do it, to work through here. I think you have to exhaust all of those opportunities first before you pull the trigger on that deal. And if you don't do it, then I don't think that you have to add a a QB either. I'm a little bit skeptical about adding rookie QBs in these super flex drafts. It's one of the reasons I'd be interested in trading for fields. I think that people can miss on the fact that the bust rate is higher for QBs, that QBs,
0: it's hey, Rotoviz fans. Patients. This is Dave Caven from the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. Taking a minute a to let you know that as, as a loyal Rotoviz listener, you can get 10%, 10% off, so get 10% off so, a one year subscription when you use the promo code RV Radio 2022 at checkout. It gives you full access to all of our content and tools. And again, it's RV Radio 2022 at checkout. 10% off a one year Rotoviz subscription. Enjoy the
2: podcast. Then you've come out of this again with such a powerhouse draft that you're able to do a lot of things and address the QB position in a different way. I like to think of Dynasty even in Superflex as being positionless. And as opposed to putting yourself in a situation where you have to address specific positions as you go through, just consistently be looking for the opportunities that arise. And one of the opportunities that will come up in the course of NFL seasons is that there are a lot of backups. Who will play? And you say, Yeah, but I mean, those guys don't score at the level that I want. We have a limited number of actual starting spots, and that is true. But if your lineup at the rest of the starting positions is more or less unstoppable, and you're drafting guys who I mean, nobody is bust-proof, but just have such a high likelihood of success that you can then trade out of for more picks and more quarterback opportunities in the very near future. I mean, if Gibbs or JSN hit in the way that I think that they're going to hit, and and that may be a little bit optimistic, but you're going to be able to make a lot of moves with them going forward. Maybe next year at this point in time, Garrett Wilson is the number one wide receiver in all of fantasy, but because you have that depth behind him, you can move him for three first-round picks or two first-round picks in a middle-of-the-road QB. So try to hit the the best players. Maneuver this trade to the best of your ability. Try to stay positionless. But Justin Fields, I mean, Colin, I, I like what he's going to do over the next three or four years. Maybe he doesn't age in the same way as a Patrick Mahomes. We know that the rush first guys have gotten hurt, and Fields was battered last season. So you do have to consider that as well. But I love this roster. I love the flexibility. And either way, I think post-rookie draft, this team is going to look really, really cool
1: yeah i think it will and the one thing i'll say is uh, i always appreciate and shout out to bryson for this question i always appreciate when we get these questions the amount of detail that people put into them because you really do need that context of what your team looks like and i know we didn't sean mentioned some of the players we didn't go into the specifics but i mentioned the picks and the way the roster has been developed the way the picks are being acquired lots of smart moves been made here and this and you know I, th- I think this team's set up really really well I do think as well, mentioning the context is, you know, if your team is in great shape like this team, or if you have a lot of picks, it makes those decisions a lot smarter than if you're in a situation where the team is really in trouble. I feel this is gonna be worth the same amount, Sean, but those decisions aren't as, as smart, I guess, then in those situations. So thanks to Bryson for that question. We are going to jump into one from Nathan and for anyone who is ever interested in submitting questions, whether it is team related, whether it's strategy related send them our way we'll try and fit them in on some shows you can send them my way on twitter at overtime at overtime ireland you can email them across at overtime ireland at gmail.com or road of his radio at gmail.com but this one comes in from nathan and he's looking for some advice on his roster in general so it's a super flex league two running backs three wide receivers starting one tight end and then two flex and one super flex or three flex total he has two at and howell sean we get a lot of people talking about Sam Howell and uh, these emails. Uh, there's a big fan club. There's a Sam Howell fan club, but I think it's actually run by Sean Siegel, I think, at this point. But then is Swift, etn AJ Dillon, is Madison, who we talked about a little bit earlier. Is Eli Mitchell, Chuba Hubbard, and Michael Carter. Then Waddle, Pickens, Chark, Wondell Robinson, Elijah Moore, Chase Claypool, lavisca Chanel, KJ Hamler sneaking in there. Sean, that's one for you. Tim Patrick, uh, and then Shahid, and then Kate Otten, and uh, isaiah likely as well the picks are the 102 the 105 the 106 the 112 and two third round picks so he is getting ready for this first round he has four picks and that first round another question sometimes i think trying to move those 101s or or sorry 102s or 105s 106 for example back can add in sean talks about the superpower of trading back in drafts a lot but he mentions he is near-term perpetual reloading uh, and he's thinking about moving off swift as he's concerned about the long-term value this question was submitted before the free agency moves over the, the last week or so with the lions is a shot at robinson or gibbs in the draft considering moving him individually or perhaps bundling to a swift and a force and trying to trade up for a top quarterback so something we've kind of already discussed on the show and that last question Looking at it, it's maybe starting with these options. And obviously I mentioned some changes, but I think the trades still stand out in the same way in terms of the overall valuations. That is Swift, the 112, and targeting one of Metcalf more Olave or Wilson, and then Tua and Swift plus the 112 for Herbert or maybe trying for Mahomes. So the question, Sean, to start off on this is with your evaluations of, for example, Metcalf, Olave or Wilson, and then the other one being of Herbert or Mahomes. Do those kind of valuations fit into where you think you would be moving for those players?
2: Swift is such an interesting name, and I've had a hard time valuing him, which is is somewhat unique. I'm not wrong all the time about rankings, but I don't tend to have too much trouble knowing where where I think the player should be at any given moment, even if that turns out not to be true. Swift is, is difficult because his talent is pretty unmatched I mean there are are four or five guys who are in that same group but when you think about the the sheer number of running backs in the NFL there are so few players who are at that level and especially at that level with the receiving element to it he's in a Detroit Lions offense that's going to score a lot of points that is also very favorable for the running back there but then you add in a player like a David Montgomery and you mentioned that he didn't know that when he asked this question but I think the assumption was that Jamal Williams would be back And in some ways that would almost be worse, even though David Montgomery is the better overall player. So with Swift here, I definitely understand moving him. And I would look to move him. And Colm, you and I have him on our team. We're looking to move him in the right deal, but only in the right deal because he's someone where I think a year from now it's very easy to see the value being a lot higher. And I think even as a disappointing player, he's going to score points. And so if you have a player who could jump in value, who could end up at some point later in his career, and the the difficult thing with running backs is that the second contract is less relevant because we know that their dynasty value is going to be dropping either way. And yet we've mentioned Swift in connection to Austin Eckler, a player who has performed fairly well later in his career and has a similar scoring profile. So you can't discount that element with Swift either because most of the running backs are going to follow sort of that Ezekiel Elliott trajectory doesn't mean that there aren't going to be a handful who stand out and score late for you and you want to at least keep that path open if you're not getting the type of compensation that the player truly deserves and so for yourself you have to kind of figure that out and figure out how you want to structure but Swift in the 112 for a player like Olave or Wilson I mean that's somewhat of a no-brainer Olave Wilson two of the most valuable players in Dynasty I guess I would be surprised if you can get that. However, at the draft itself, you might be able to. So one of the things that we get a lot of questions about is, okay, where's the tier break? And column, as we discuss this, we should obviously mention that the Road Viz Rookie Guide, it should be out about the time that this show comes out. Make sure you're looking for volume two for that. It has new rankings, has new mock drafts. You get to see some of the different spots the players are going in. Right now, one of the reasons we mentioned at the top that we moved Madison is that the third round actually looks pretty strong relative to a flatter second round, and yet that's one of those things that's probably a mirage because right now we don't know where the guys are going to go in the draft. So if you look at round two through the end of round three as being fairly flat from a talent perspective, as soon as the players who fall in the draft are sifted out, Then you're back to, okay, now I mean the second round looks better because we know where those guys are and they're good spots, and the third round looks weaker again. Keep that in mind as you are working through the different scenarios for yourself. But you get to the draft, and the 112 suddenly, when you're on the clock, I think becomes more interesting. That's one of these things where there's so much temptation right now to say this is where the tier break is, and I have to get in front of that as opposed to thinking, okay, there's going to be somebody overdrafted. There's probably, I mean, you don't have someone overdrafted to the extent that Clyde Edwards Allaire was overdrafted to where he would go above a Jonathan Taylor, but there's going to be somebody overdrafted in this draft who then pushes into that top group and maybe moves the tier break down a slot. You don't want to play pay a ton to get across a tier break only to find that the tier break moved down one position. And it doesn't have to be that you were taking a guy, but just if that if someone is overdrafted and they push someone down to you. So you want to think through some of those kinds of things, but you also want to think about how do you do perpetual reloading in the draft itself. And so instead of packaging the one twelve for a player right now, which again, if you get that deal, you should do Swift in the one twelve for a Laver Wilson, you would do that deal. But if it's a lesser target than that, you want to think of what happens at the one twelve when a guy does make it to that spot. It's not my guy. But there's desperation to address your weaknesses and win now. There's also desperation just to have fun or participate. And so especially when you have four picks, and this team is so cool. Again, we got a couple of teams here that have just so much ammunition in the first round. You really want to be looking at that 112 and moving it into 2024. So that would be the thing I would be looking to do there. We also have this question with Tua. And he may be a swift sort of on steroids from the perspective of how much he could jump. Tua Swift and the 112 for Herbert. I, I guess I don't like that. I don't have, I, if the, both guys are healthy, then I think that Tua probably outscores Herbert. And so I like to take a little bit of risk on the player health. That partly is probably because I'm an optimist and I want the best for Tua sort of for, you know, just his life as well. And so as I think through it, I think he's going to be okay. He's going to be healthy and he's going to be awesome. And so I, I probably don't make that move. The other thing, if, if you're thinking about it from, I wouldn't say a cynical or a more mercenary perspective, but just maybe a more realistic perspective or, or from just a strategic perspective with Dynasty, if he makes it half a year before getting re-injured, his value is going to explode because he's going to score so many more points in that stretch. So I probably wouldn't do the second one. Colin, are, are those... The same types of things that you're thinking when you look at these picks in this roster
1: yeah exactly i, I think you're really spot on with the herbert and two apart and two value increasing i think like the the thing that would terrify you if you have missed your quarterback is a situation where they say you know in a month or two months you know he, he hasn't he, he's not going to be on the field for otas or he's not going to be there for the start of training camp or something like that and that's going to really obviously tank the value but I I don't feel like that is the, the situation that is going to happen. I, I would be very reluctant to you know give up a 112 to uh, and Swift for another quarterback, even if that was Patrick Mahomes. I think the individual pieces there are all much more valuable as that trio versus the, the one unit um that we'll be talking about. The other part, Sean, that he talks about is the 105 or the 106 to go after somebody like Pets or a young wide receiver. You're much more in, you know intact with the rookie class coming in here based on the work you've done on the rookie guide but I'm never against going for and I want to say proven talent at the NFL level with one of those first round picks to get them versus the rookie coming in but with somebody like Petsu the situation we love the talent but the situation may not be perfect or a young wide receiver would you be looking to move those picks potentially in that part of the question and um, he does mention about being weak at tight end and uh, at wide receiver but hoping to plan to you know improve on that in the draft I, I usually think that you're better with tight end to try and improve that true I guess veterans rather than rather than true rookie picks
2: yeah that's one of the areas that it's kind of fun that we have some disagreements on and so uh, that portion of navigating our own team will be interesting we'll have some good discussions there I really like to and it depends how many picks you have if you have three four five second round picks which I mean, obviously those picks are easier to acquire than first round picks. You really work to make sure you do that over time. If you have multiple second round picks, I like to take a tight end in the second round every year. And I think that you do end up very inexpensively putting together a deep roster of tight ends, which as everybody goes to tight end premium and as every single season, we tend to be overly optimistic about who actually scores. If you have that deep stable there, I think it's very helpful. But I do think that big picture, what you're saying here is exactly true where there's going to be some risk in the middle of this draft. I mentioned on the previous question how things could play out well. We also want to look at what the downside scenario could be. One of the things I was surprised by when we did our full staff mock drafts for both Superflex and for 1QB, we had a a lot of writers on the site who were interested in guys like Stroud and Richardson, even early in 1QB formats. I would push back pretty strongly against that, but we do know – The quarterback scoring and the shape of that has changed in such a way that having a guy who separates can help you obviously in in super flex you're going to have those qbs going early and yet you want to be looking at the rosters of your opponents and the people who are going to draft there and also be trying to kind of take the temperature of your league mates and see what the enthusiasm might be for those four guys because if they are not going to go and you can never know for sure even if it looks like a guy needs to take a qb I'm in a situation frequently where it looks like I need to take a QB and don't. So you can't say for certain that a person is going to feel pressured by their positional weaknesses, but you also don't know if someone's going to trade in. So you don't know, but you want to at least game out some of those types of things and think to yourself, if the draft goes in such a way that my guys get taken, do I feel a lot of pressure there? Now, the thing that you can do is that you can then look to the people who need quarterbacks. So If Gibbs and JSN go before that spot and they easily could, then you try and work with the people who need quarterbacks in your league. You move those picks to them. And even though it requires some patience, you do perpetual reload and you end up with again, just an overall roster, including your picks, that is so powerful. You can move some of those picks during the season. You don't have to think of it as, well, now I can I have to wait another full year to get better. Right? You look at yourself mid-season and if you're competitive, you can move some of those picks. In some ways, it's easier to move the picks at that point in time because the teams that are not competitive will feel pressure to move some of their stars to get younger, right? So you want to, again, just maintain that flexibility, maintain the flexibility, look for total value in your trades throughout the entire of the season. But we do have to admit that there's some risk. One of the things I think that is pretty clear is that this is a weak wide receiver group overall it's probably actually a weak running back group the things that people were talking about for this class only really come true if the four quarterbacks hit now with the four quarterbacks being there they're going to push some guys down to you so that part of it is nice if you have the 101 and you have robinson that part of it is nice if you're out of that area you have some risk quinton johnston somebody i really like but there's no question there's some risk. Jordan Addison, another player I really like, but there's no question that there's some risk. Blair Andrews wrote a fantastic article on Jalen Hyatt recently, and I think people, if you haven't seen that, make sure you check it out. A lot of people do know that he's a big riser. He probably deserves to be looked at even as the wide receiver two, but definitely not wide receiver three, four. If you're not in on him and you share some of the concerns about Johnston or Addison, then yeah i mean you want to be looking at the 105 the 106 the 107 all of those picks in that range as picks that you could move out of either for veteran players or trying to get a lot of value for 2024 if you move out of them into 2024 you should obviously get significantly more back than just one first round pick
1: yeah very good stuff and hopefully everyone has enjoyed listening to sean talking but in particular nathan who sent in that question thank you for sharing it. Hopefully it was beneficial as we walked through it. I, I enjoy getting uh, Sean's thoughts on all these things, but I always enjoy when he says that that's somewhere where we have uh, potentially a disagreement. So I'm looking forward to seeing what we do dynasty-wise with our, our tight ends here moving forward. But that's going to bring us towards the end of today's show. Thank you for tuning in. I know our schedule was a little bit different this week. The show's come out on Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We may go with something like that throughout the offseason, but the Best advice I can give you is to subscribe to the Road of His Overtime podcast feed. You get each and every one of them once they go live. We're going to try and keep that cadence of three shows a week, but some weeks it may be two, some weeks it may be three, some weeks, who knows, it may be four. So lots of stuff coming your way over the course of the offseason. If you are interested in submitting some questions or topics you'd like to hear us discuss, send them my way. Again, as I mentioned earlier in the show, you can send them over at Overtime Ireland. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland as, a again, another plug for the Twitter handle. You can also check out all of Sean's work up on rotaviz.com. He mentioned the articles that are up on the site. He also mentioned his own articles. If you are signing up at rotaviz.com, you can use the code RVRADIO2023 at checkout to save yourself 10% off a one-year NFL pass and get you access to all of those articles, all of that content, and all of the tunes on the website. Until we are back, have a good one.